This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. In part two of my discussion with Dr. Ibram X. Kendi, author of Stamp from the Beginning, The Definitive History of Racist Ideas in America, I ask him, what are some of the things that every American should know? What history should we all know as American citizens? And he answers my question with a plum, of course, because he's brilliant. And he has a new book coming out later. I hope I can get him into the studio this time to talk about what he's working on next. But we have this discussion that I think is really important. It talks about the made-up construct of race and racism and how it actually plays out in society today. So check out this interview and also, also, Check me out on Twitter, at Karen Hunter. On Sundays, I pick a question or two from my Twitter audience, my Twitter family, with the hashtag podcast. You can ask me anything. I pick a question or two, and my Sunday podcasts are dope, just as the rest of them are. So stay tuned to my interview with Dr. Ibram X. Kendi. We're constantly, um, I call it re-engineering. You know, we're getting the soil right. And part of the, the job is to bring out stories. So we've talked about the Candaces uh, that stood stood firm oh, yeah. against Alexander uh, the oh, Great. Yeah. We, we talk about, of course, Mansa Musa, the richest man ever in the history of humanity. Uh, we, we talk about the Moors and we talk about, you know, we haven't talked about Hannibal because I think that story's been told and Shaka Zulu and others. Are there five periods? Give, give us like a couple of periods that you think would could shape that every American should know that could shift the paradigm. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. And you know, coconut water is one of the best things you can drink when you're working out, when you're really thirsty. Yes, water water is great, but coconut water actually has electrolytes. It has more potassium than four bananas. And of course, it's super hydrating because it is from mother nature herself. All right. Uh, Some people use it for uh, hangovers, kidney stones or whatever. I just like the taste and the best coconut water on the market right now is 100 coconuts. I'm, I'm drinking it every day, putting it in my smoothies. It really tastes great when it's ice cold, right out of the refrigerator. You crack it open because it's in a can. And my goodness, 70 calories, delicious, the most delicious coconut water on the market. 100 coconuts. Check them out. And use my code Karen100 at checkout, and you get 10% off your first case. That's Karen100 at 100coconuts.com. So one I'll say is that we have been taught this history that slavery literally made black people into brutes, that the trauma of slavery was so horrible that sort of black people came out of slavery in some ways behaviorally deficient. And when you actually look at the studies of black people and the reports of newly freed Africans, in 1865, 1866, 1867, you know, the people, the firsthand reports saw people who were building schools, saw people who were building churches, saw people who, without any um, assistance, you know, uh, planting new farms, and saw people basically building a new life without their their slave master. And, and, And so you had 
northern reporters come like, don't you need your slave master? And they're like, well, we took care of our slave master before. We're actually better off now. <laughs> We're the reason why they had a damn wealth to begin with. You know, I talk about Greenwood and Rosewood and, and Weeksville and Eatonville and all of the wonderful uh, communities in North Carolina that were built one generation out of slavery, built by people with no government handouts, no 40 acres and a mule, thriving. Greenwood, the richest in Oklahoma uh, of all communities, you know, decimated over a two-day period of course because of of racism but clearly uh people and and peacefully done yeah. you know like yeah. <laughs> definitely and 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 so you know what i was what i want people to realize is so slavery just like segregation just like poverty these things are dehumanizing obviously but they never dehumanize the people so you can try to dehumanize a, a particular group of people through your violence through your terror but black people have remained human despite all of the all of the oppressions that they faced in this country. They've remained. They have not become inferior. And, you know, you know, statistics and studies sort of show that I want when we come back to, to give us like maybe two more times in history that people okay. need to know. Are there definitive things that we you know, can teach our kids that will empower them to know who they are? I, I think. First and foremost, uh, that in the book, and stand from the beginning, I don't just chronicle the ways in which white people have, have produced and consumed racist ideas about black people. I also chronicle racist ideas that black people have consumed. We've talked a lot about sort of the colonized mind or internalized racism, and I really wanted to show the ways in which you know, black notions that we, that there's something wrong with us has affected us. And so, you know, I've come to realize, and I, I tell this to, to, to children, that the only thing that is actually wrong with black people is that we think something is wrong with black people. Mm. History points since the beginning of time that we should all know. Patient uh, revolution, should that be, you know... Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, for, for people to question, you know, a lot of people today are very sort of pessimistic about whether black people would be able, would be capable of, of, of gaining their freedom, of gaining equality, of fighting discrimination. I mean, we can look to the Haitian Revolution. I mean, these people, not only through the yoke of, of, of chains from their the masters in, in Haiti, but then also fought off and defeated the French Spanish and English armies in succession to win their freedom. Like, and so for people to question what's possible when you're serious about your freedom, you know, they, they, they should only need to look to the Haitian revolution. I love it. I think somebody's actually uh, producing. Tariq. Is it Tariq? Yeah. All right. It's producing something regarding. Okay. Tariq Nasheed. Let's go to Bridget in Wyoming. Welcome to the Karen Hunter show. You're on with Dr. Ibram Kendi, author of, uh, stamp from the beginning of the definitive history of racist ideas in America. Got that out finally. <laughs> hey, Bridget. Hi, Karen. I'm so glad to be with you today. Karen, you are not going to believe this. I wasn't listening to your show because I was in my public library. And guess what I have in my hand? Stamp from the beginning. Look I'm on the that. same page, Karen. Look at that. I'm reading these books that you are introducing us to. I love you, Karen. I can't wait to get home to read Dr. Kendi's book. I mean, 
I picked it up in Cheyenne, Wyoming at the public <laughs> library today. We it. on point. We yes. on track, Karen. Yes. We on track. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, well, we have you know. Formed a, a fight against the Poverty Club here in Cheyenne, Wyoming. We call in our senators that want to stamp out affordable health care. We on track, Karen. We on track. God has a plan, and we are on track. You continue to do what you're doing, my sister. I'm going to continue to listen to you and tell people about you. And I told this guy at work one day, I said, black people are the cradle. We are the cradle of civilization. He said, no, you're not. I said, yes, we are. I can't tell you right now, but... One day I'm going to be able to break it down to you because I'm reading. That's right. I am reading. Like you said, pick up a book and get it. Get it, sister. I thank you, Karen. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Dr. Kendi. All right. right. Thank you, Bridget. Yes. Yeah, no, we got to. Yeah, no. And she's right about us being on one accord. That's how you know. That's how you know. Um, Yeah, reading. I'm I'm trying to get you to give us some, some homework, Dr. Kendi. What do we need to know? As a as as Americans, as human beings, about history, give us some moments. So I mean, I'll give another example. Um, so the Brown v. Board of Education decision, we we see this decision as this sort of anti-racist, progressive sort of decision, when in fact the Warren Court and Chief Justice Earl Warren actually stated that the the schools were equal or being equalized. And he actually struck down Plessy v. Ferguson, not because he thought the schools were unequal, even though they clearly were unequal, but because he thought that these black schools and black children not being in schools with white children were basically making them inferior. And so he talked about the segregation of white and colored children in public school, and I'm quoting him directly, has a detrimental effect upon colored children, period. Not colored children and white children, but colored children. And so he thought integrating the schools would help black children, that somehow black kids being in, in classrooms with white kids would help black children, not at all children. Right. And so that's why you had this busing movement of busing black kids to white schools and rarely the other way around. Right. And I would venture to say that uh, my mother went to a segregated school in Augusta, Georgia, and uh, I got the pleasure of going to their 50th uh, reunion. And I will tell you, those are some of the most educated together people without uh, any uh, integration whatsoever. And I would venture to say the integration, particularly of the schools, because we eliminated people in those schools, teaching our kids who loved those kids, who came from the community with those kids, who understood the challenges that those kids would have. It eliminated that element Mm -hmm. that provided so much much comfort and gave people so much of a foundation to be able to tackle this education system the right way. So... Uh, if anything, integration, I think, was a detriment to our um, future. Anyway, uh, Sonia in New Jersey, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm enjoying uh, the conversation. I'm definitely going to get out there and get the book. Uh, I'm an educator um, in New Jersey, and I find that, you know, we have these clusters or, or individual people and sometimes programs where we can get this information out and share it with young people. But for the most part, over the years, and I'm talking about back to when I was a kid when we used to have the community center, we would have these programs that would try to educate us about our past and our history so that we would know where where we were from and who we were. 
but they always die off. It's like it, it's not a continuous pattern. And so what I wanted to say is how do we get it out and like on a major scale? I mean, I know they have the new movies coming out with hidden figures, and now these stories are being told, and people are like, this didn't happen. Did this really happen? My kids ask me, who are Hispanic, they ask me today, did this really happen? And I linked it to John F. K.'s speech on the moon, and then I showed them the trailer. But what I'm saying is, it's just like we need to educate, you know, everyone and get it out there yeah. so that people can start seeing the, the lies, yeah. you know, the, the propaganda that, that they've grown up with. And they ask me, why people, why do we know the South? Why didn't they tell us, tell you that before? And I tried to explain it to them. So Good. keep I the fight going. Keep the fight, sister. And and you, she's absolutely right. This is not African-American history. This is not black history. This is, this is history. History. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I would suggest that that if, if you and your friends could do that in your community and then maybe people and where I'm from, Queens, could see that and then be inspired and then they do it and then people in Brooklyn do it and then people down here in Florida do it and then it sort of spreads. So, you know, typically, you know, we need people to sort of initiate it and then we'll see other people motivated and inspired uh, to do it. Uh, and, and, and so that's how things typically become big. It becomes small. It's small first, right? Yeah, and but then it's got to start. It's got to start with us. Uh, let, oh, me, yeah. let me take Rob in Atlantic City. And thank you, Sonia, for your call. Rob, welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. You're on with Dr. Kendi. Hi, Karen. Hi, doctor. Hey. Hey. Thanks for the call. Um, my, my question or comment is more, and it's not to diminish in no manner or no way what goes on here in America between, you know, blacks and the racism we face. But looking at it on a more global scale, uh, mankind, isn't there something, doctor, in the nature of man where they heat these inhumanities upon each other, whether it's uh, black holding blacks in slavery um, during the early, early part of history or Asians doing these things to each other. It seems to me in my reading, I have come to realize that it's sort of in the nature of man to either, I don't know if it's to keep the upper hand or to stay in charge, but I have never seen a, a, a culture of people where these type of things didn't take place. And I just want to hear from someone that has studied this subject, your comments or your thoughts. Um, when you look at the the genocide okay. of Rwanda, right, yeah. okay, thank well, you. Well, just make make sure everybody understands that whenever we say something is in the nature of man, or we should say uh, humankind, what that really means is every single human on earth that has ever lived is that way. And so, I do not think that every single human and every single nation uh, has been that way. I've studied. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a student of Europe or Asia. Um, I've studied pre-colonial Africa, and I know of nations that were not that way. Um, I also know that we cannot understand the African slave trade from the standpoint of blacks selling blacks, because there was not a conception of black or African. Uh, people understood their own ethnic groups, and they did not see that other ethnic group as sort of black and African. So we can't sort of apply how we think about it back then. New World, New World slavery was unique in that it, it specifically was tied to a color, a, a, a melanin. Uh, you know, it was specifically tied to a group of people, of race, that they created. 
Yeah, and so then race didn't exist, right? In the in the pre-modern world, like people looking at all the people in Africa as one race or everybody in Europe as one that wasn't there wasn't a conception right. of that. I mean, we I mean, but we even see it, you know, before before there was, you know, Italians and Irish and like they weren't considered white in yeah, America, you know? So like it, all of that is like new stuff designed in the, in the new world to justify something really horrific. Yeah. Let me take one more call. One more call before we, we leave. Maurice, Maurice in Georgia, you're on with Dr. Kendi. Hello, Karen. I love you. I mean, I've been listening to you for a long time. Hey, let me ask Thank you a you. question. I think the first time I saw you was on the Phil Donahue show. Were you ever on the Phil Donahue show? No, that was Oprah. No, I'm just playing. No, that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't me. Okay. Hey, Doc, uh, let me ask you a question. This is hypothetical. But what if Donald Trump was president? And a black man went in and killed all those babies in Newtown. What? Do you think oh, that would have been a race no. wall? No, no, Maurice, we're not doing that. Back away. Yeah, I am. We're going mm-hmm. back far away. And next time, screen him better, Jameson. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm yeah, not just because you love me, don't mean I'm going to let you say dumb stuff on the air. That ain't going to happen. So um, <laughs> you don't have to respond, Dr. Kendi. Move away okay. from that. Um, <laughs> what's your next book that you're working on? So I'm actually working on a book called uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, we've spent a lot of Americans have spent a lot of time talking about how they're not racist or how they don't want to be racist. Um, so you're going to give I, them the blueprint. Exactly. What's uh, one of the first things? Really, well, I mean, for us to recognize that the, the racial groups are genetically equal, as science has shown us, for us to appreciate all cultures as 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 equal. Uh, for us to recognize that black people are no more lazy or industrious than any other group of people, uh, for us to recognize that, I mean, you know, I can go down the list, yeah, but see, yeah, I, I see, mean, I you know, there are many components okay. to it. We're looking forward to that. And uh, yeah. thank you for the work that you're doing, uh, Dr. Kendi. Uh, the well, book, thank you, Karen. Thank I you. mean, it's it's truly a pleasure. Yes, yes. The book is stamped from the beginning. We've tweeted out a link to it as well. The stamp from the beginning of the definitive history of racist ideas in America. His name is Dr. Ibram X. Kendi. What's the X for before I let you go? Zolani. Zolani. What, is, yeah. what, what language is that? Zolani is uh, Zulu. Zulu. What does that mean? I'm like always curious. It means peace. Well, peace be with you, brother. 